0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit VineyardCleveland.org. You know, images are powerful. Images are powerful. Some of you might be able to remember images out of a magazine or out from, a, from a television show or an advertisement from when you were a little kid. Images are powerful. You know, scientists has, have figured out that it only takes, it only takes 100 milliseconds, the blink of an eye, in fact, for the brain to recognize a familiar image. 100 milliseconds, think of that. A very, very short time. Images are powerful. How many of you remember Andre Agassi, the tennis player from the late 80s or 90s? He was selling a a camera with, uh, I forget the name of the company, but he was selling a camera, and the whole catchphrase for selling this camera for Andre Agassi, he looked into the camera, and he said, image is everything image is everything, and how culturally prophetic Andre Agassi was in the late 80s, as now we're living in a culture and a society where image is everything. Everybody has a phone, everyone has a camera, and they're going around capturing images, the filtered selfie, uh, younger men and women, boys and girls, taking hundreds of selfies just to find that one picture-perfect filter that they can slap on to that photograph and put up on Instagram for how many likes that they're going to get. Image is everything. Images are powerful. Images are powerful. Where does this come from? Where does this come from? This recognition in our brains of the image being a powerful thing a powerful thing. Well, today we're going to look at that and we're going to look at it in the context of racial reconciliation and kingdom unity in a divided world. What does it look like to bear the image of the one true God, to be fashioned in his likeness, even since before you were born? Paul says in the New Testament that you are the poetry of God. His signature is inscribed on your life in Ephesians 2.10. You are the poema, the poetry of God. God has etched his signature into your very soul. You bear the likeness of the one true living God. And in fact, Jesus is the likeness of God. He's the spitten image of the Father. If you want to know what the Father looks like, who the Father is, you look to Jesus Jesus is the image of the invisible, we're told in scripture. He is God. He's the image of God, the very likeness of God. What does it mean that we bear the image of God? Well, I wanted to take you through a couple of points this morning. And first of all, I wanted to say that God made all ethnic groups. Did you know that? That there isn't one ethnic group that God didn't make. Like, oops, that whole entire ethnic group of people is an accident. I didn't mean to make them or I didn't create them. God created different ethnic groups. Isn't that amazing? The artistry of God. And in Acts seventeen twenty six, we find an important passage that's often looked over when talking about the image of God, whether by theologians or pastors or preachers, this verse is often looked over and I wanted us to read it together. So if you have your Bible, which you should, please, we encourage Bible reading at Vineyard Cleveland. Turn to uh, Acts 17:26 with me and we're going to read it together. And we just believe that God's word is alive, that he speaks to us through his word, that in his word, as we read, we're not just reading words on a page, but his spirit actually takes the words and makes our spirit uh, animate or come alive through his words. And so we read this in Acts 17, 26, from one man, he, God made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. Verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. And then the famous verse in verse 28, might as well read it for in him, in Christ, in God, we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. It's said of him from one man, God made every nation. And what the writer of acts is saying here is that, listen, he's saying, Hey guys, from one man, you are all from common stock one person from one man, Adam, he's talking about the first man here, Adam, from one man and one woman, Adam and Eve, you were all made, you share common DNA. You who are white, you are cut from the same cloth as your black brother and sister from one man. And because of this, common stock that we all spring from one man, as God has said in Genesis, in the beginning, God created men and women. And we'll get into that in a second. From one man, we were all created. What does this mean? It means that there is a dignity placed on every human soul regardless of whether or not they've done good things or done bad things. Did you know that? Sometimes we like to blame people for their mistakes in a way that makes it so that we can make them feel inferior to us. Because they've done bad things, they lose the image of God somehow. Not true. Not true. We read here from one man, he created them all, and therefore there is a dignity that is placed on every single human soul. Whether they've done something that you think they should be stripped of that image of God is of no concern because the way that God sees them is as an image bearer regardless of what they have done or not done. And that's a difficult place for us to be, isn't it? If we've had another image bearer, right, hurt us, it's hard for us then to say, gosh, that person is still made in the image of God. They didn't lose any of their image just because they hurt me. That's a really difficult thing to say, but it's the truth. The truth is, is that every human soul, regardless of age, regardless of color or gender, or any of those externals. There is a dignity and a worth of eternal value placed on every single human soul. We come from common stock, and this leads us to the one main verse on the image of God or what theologians would call the Imago Dei, the Imago Dei, the image of God. Here we go all the way back to the beginning of creation and we read this in Genesis 1:26. Listen to this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, here it is again, repeated, re-emphasized, re-emphasized, reimagined. So God created man in his own image. God created men and women in his own image. In the image, there it is again, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Gosh, could you be any more redundant, God? Yes, you could be more redundant because it's important. To him, Notice verse 27 again, listen to the redundancy. He really wants us to get this. This is the way it is in the original Hebrew text as well. We might think it's superfluous, but he really wants us to get this. Two things. So God created, created man and women in his own image, in the image, image of God. He created them, created them male and female. He created them. So there's this idea that yes, um, the image of God in ethnic diversity is central to who God is. And we'll see more on this later, but God really wants us to pick up on it. He uses the word created three times in one verse, five times in two verses that he's the creator and we are the created, that he creates and how does God create? He creates well. God does everything well. He creates men, men and women, and he says it is good, but it's not good for man to be alone, so he creates woman and then he says the creation is good. God is the creator, and God creates men and women in the image or likeness of God. We bear We reflect God into the world, is what God is saying. God is saying that you, regardless of how you feel about yourself, you reflect God into the world. And your black brother or sister, they too reflect God into the world. And your Asian brother or sister, they reflect God into the world. Your two-year-old toddler reflects God into the world. Your 90-year-old great-grandmother, she reflects God into the world. And theologian N.T. Wright would say that likewise, we reflect humanity back up to God like a reflective mirror. That God not only reflects his purpose in the earth through us, as image bearers, but that we then turn back and reflect humanity to God and say, this is who we are. This is what we are like, because God preserves ethnic identity because he created it. It all goes back to God being the creator, and he loves the creative palette with which he paints every shade, every earth tone he creates with, he paints with to perfect perfection so that men and women live in different climates and different societies and different cultures to the food we like, to the kind of dancing we do. God loves culture so much. You know, a lot of people think that there is only going to be one race, their race in heaven, and they'd be wrong. Every ethnic identity will be rescued and brought into the throne room of heaven. We will be eating tacos from Mexico in heaven. We will be listening to Swahili praise songs from Tanzania. We will be listening to a tabla or a sitar from India and worshiping the one true living God, Jesus. Ethnic diversity is preserved. And we'll see this a little bit later in the talk as well. But God loves culture. And why would we check that at the door when we enter into heaven? Why would, that, why would God do that? No, heaven's coming to us in the kingdom of Jesus, and we do not check our ethnic identities at the door of heaven. God loves color. God loves variety. God loves diversity. He created it all in, in His image. We bear the likeness of God into the world, and likewise, we reflect humanity back up to God in praise. That's a huge deal. And then last week, we read this really key verse in Revelation 5, and I wanted to read it again here this morning because it's really important. Because what the Apostle John is getting at here in this new worship song that we'll be singing for all of eternity into heaven is really important to what God thinks about ethnic diversity. In Revelation 5 verse 9, it says of everyone in heaven, the multitudes in heaven, they sang a new song. You are worthy, Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain because of the cross, because you were slain and with your blood, you purchase men for God, men and women for God, get this from every tribe, language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Listen to that again. Because you're slain and with your blood, you purchase men and women for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is important because this shows us that whatever shade of God's image you bear in your skin tone... God loves and will redeem from every tribe, tongue, and nation. From every ethnic group, God is gathering a people. And that's good news. That's good news that the cross is for every ethnic people. The cross is for every ethnic group. Any barriers that are put up between ethnic groups, the cross comes in and tears the barrier down with one final word and the one, uh, the one true living God and the person of Jesus spilling his blood tears down the division between different ethnic groups and says, for this reason, for this reason that God loves ethnic diversity, he will gather men and women from every tribe, language and nation. That's the good news, you guys. That's the good news that God loves ethnic diversity. And check out this. Furthermore, in Psalms 96, the first four verses, we learn something new about God. We learn something new about God that he will be known by everyone, meaning every group of people will know who God is. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all, not just some of the earth, all of the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among all the nations. Not some of the nations. Declare his glory among all the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. That is amazing. That shows us that God is to be known by everyone. But this interpretation can be uh, pretty dangerous, though. And here's an interpretation of this verse of God being known. Um, across ethnic barriers, across um, ethnic groups, a lot of times here's what people will do in a majority culture or society. They will say, yes, God wants to be known by all people, but because I only hang out with people who look like me, people who vote like me, people who eat like me, people who have the same skin tone as me, that must mean that God is like me in that way. And that must mean that God is on my side. And while all of these things may be true, you can see the interpretation gets very tricky. When you begin to say God is on our tribe's side, what you imply is that God is not on their tribe's side. Do you understand? When God is on my side, it must mean that he's not present with those other people and what God is saying in Psalm 96 and what he said since the very beginning in Genesis as image bearers is that no, God is not true. God is not true to one specific group of people and not the other. And for so often uh, uh, over the course of history, we played this game of being the God favorite, which means that other groups of people are not his favorite. Do you see where that leaves us? That God is our God and those who are on our side have God and those who are on the other side do not have God. Do you see how this is destructive to the very image of God that we bear in other people? What God is saying is like, no, you are all created in the image of God, irregardless of what tribe specifically, uh, geopolitically. Wherever you find yourself, you are all created in the image of God. God, it's like this idea that you pray to God for your football team to win against the other football team. And since there are Christians praying on the NFL field at halftime for God to come and, and make them victorious on the, on the battlefield, on the gridiron today, the Browns will win. God is on the Brown side, right? But that's not true. That's not true. God is on both teams' side. God is on both tribes' side. Yeah, I love him because he's like that. What it's saying is that ethnic diversity is not marginal for God. It's central for God. It's central for God. In Psalm 33, I love this verse. In Psalm 33, we read this. We read this. Like, how good it is when men and women dwell together in unity, for there God bestows his blessing. For there, when men and women dwell together in unity, God blesses that because it's central to God's heart and his thinking, to his mind, to who he is. Ethnic diversity is central to who God is. This is all scriptural stuff, you guys. It's all in the same book that you read. It's all there for us to unpack that God, he has a central place in his heart for ethnic diversity, that he loves diversity. And he loves um, us bearing his image into the world and reflecting humanity back up to God in praise. He loves that about men and women. He loves that about his sons and daughters. Yet God doesn't have one culture that he particularly likes over another tribe or people. He's in it for everyone and, and this week I was um, meditating, I was praying and I was reflecting on the murder of George Floyd and others that have come along since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor back in March and, and how those images, right, where we're talking about the image of God, how the image of that police officer with his knee on the neck of George Floyd, why that was so disturbing for so many. And you might say, well, hey, that was disturbing because a guy shouldn't have a knee on somebody else's neck. Yes, I get that. But the deeper thing here is that it was one man who is not respecting the image of God, right? In another man. And he was actually devaluing and grinding the image of God out of that man. And what we want to say in response to that is that the image of God matters. It mattered in George Floyd, whether he uh, used drugs or whether he was a criminal before, whether he was forging a $20 bill, it matters not. What does matter is the image of God that was being devalued and murdered in George Floyd. So how do we get to a place Systemically, How do we get to a place as a nation where we repent for over and over again? You know, I just got this picture this week of just shattered images, shattered mirrors. You know how a mirror shatters? If you've ever seen a mirror shatter, it shatters into a thousand different pieces. And what happens when we devalue the image of God and others is that it's like a mirror that shatters into a thousand different pieces. And we're all just like broken mirrors or shards of mirrors that are shattering into one another and it ripples and ripples and ripples. And here's where we find ourselves as a culture. I watched an interesting video this morning, and you may think I'm a little bit weird for this, but here's what I watched. I watched as the um, world, uh, as the nation's largest Burmese python was pulled out of the wild in Florida. I know, crazy, right? This python was 18 feet, and there were two guys that were pulling the python out of this swampy little place beside the road, and they were pulling the snake, this huge 18-foot python, out of the swampy place, and pythons, as you know, are constrictors, and the snake was starting to to turn, and the one, there was one man that held the head of the snake, and then Another man who was trying to capture the tail of the snake, because as you know, they're constrictors. As the one man was holding the head of the snake down, it was beginning to coil slowly around the man. And it was beginning to swirl around him, the snake, this evil thing, right? And God's speaking to me as I'm watching this video. And then the other man comes along and he straightens the snake out and he releases. It. And I just felt like this was a picture for us that was so powerful as, as that police officer put his knee on the neck of George Floyd. That's in a similar way. We are to put our knee on the neck of the snake. We are to demolish evil. We are to demolish Uh, racism in every form because God loves his image bearers. God loves his image bearers regardless of what race, color, or creed we are and how redemptive it was for me to watch that video, this little video of a snake that was being captured, an 18-foot Burmese python and this um, this man holding down The head of the snake and it was trying to coil around him, but he had community there. He had his friend there to help help him to straighten that thing out and to get it under control and turn it into the wildlife officer. Like I felt like it was a picture for me that that's what we're to be doing. We're to be seeking out where racial injustice is. And instead of seeing cops put their knees on the neck of black unarmed men, we are to be putting our knee on the neck of evil and crushing the head of Satan. And that's what I felt for this week, you guys. I want to join you. I want to join you in this work because I know some of you are already there and you're already getting there. And we're getting there together as a community of followers of Jesus. We are bringing life to the city. And that means confronting, engaging, repenting of where racism lurks in our heart, of where we've devalued the image of God and other people in our own lives And repenting from that. And then not just stopping there, but honoring the image of God in others. Can we get to a place where we can honor you guys? We can't get there without Jesus. And we can't get there without repenting of how we've devalued the image of God in others. So I just wanted to take a minute and pray over us. Because it starts at the cross As we read in Revelation 5, it starts at the cross that Jesus died to redeem all people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. And so crushing the head of the serpent like was um, prophesied in Genesis 3, way back right after God said that we are image bearers and then we fell to Satan. We fell into sin. God prophesied through Adam that one day, one day, and that one day is in the person of Jesus that uh, that that Jesus would crush the serpent's head that an image bearer in the person of Jesus skin and bones would crush the head of the one who made man fall from the image of God and so i want to pray that over us that you would come to a saving knowledge in Jesus that his that you would repent from any any sense of racism that you felt, any way that you've devalued the image of God in another person or another race or another ethnic group, that that you've downplayed that in some way, that you've not given it fair prudence, that you've not repented from it. I want to create a space where we can do that. And tonight we'll do it again at intention. From 5 p.m. till 6 p.m., I'd like for us to gather together at the church for a service of lament, for a service of contemplative repentance as we as we walk into this thing of racial reconciliation that you join me in that tonight at five either here on Facebook Live or in person, we're gonna be outside and socially distanced, but that we would bring those places of wounding, that we would bring those places of hurt to the cross and lay them down at the cross and say, I know carrying these uh, wounds and carrying these hurts is not your idea, God, of your image in me reflecting into the world and I can't carry those anymore. Or maybe you've devalued the image of God in someone else. I want to create a space where, God, you can flow and heal that wound. Where you can flow and bring your forgiveness through the cross into my life. So let's pray. Jesus, we love who you are. We just say that you are the very image of the invisible God. That who God is, that's who you are. You are uh, the God of the universe, Jesus. And you created all of your children, all of your sons, your daughters to be in the likeness of you. From every tribe, language, and nation, you are gathering a people, and we want to be your people, Jesus, and we thank you for the cross that purchases, purchases us back from the clutches of sin that you did it at the cross. By your death and your resurrection, you made it possible to know God and be known by him. And so we say, come Jesus. Just say that to God, just pray that to God. Say, I I repent of racism and I invite your heart into my heart, your story into my life. I wanna walk in your story, God. Just say that to God, I'm sorry, I repent. And I turn from that. Help me to value the image of God in others. Say that to God with as much grace as you're given. Say, I want to value the image of God in others. Lord Jesus, come and fill me with your spirit. Open the door of your life to Jesus. Swing it wide and say, come live inside of me. I need your presence, God. And if you pray that, please let us know. We want to know about it. You can email us at office at vineyardcleveland.org or you can send us a direct message through Facebook or any of the other social media outlets. And we'd love to see you tonight at 5 p.m. for Intention. Please join us then for a contemplative worship experience. You're going to love it. It's going to be filling for you. Nicole Doringer is going to be leading us. You're not going to want to miss it. We love you guys. I just pray blessing in the name of Jesus that you would go be in image bearers for Jesus, that you would bear Jesus' image into the world and then you would reflect the world back to God in praise, that your heart would be full, full of lament, your heart would be full of reconciliation, your heart would be full of peace, and that you'd be more hungry and more dependent on Jesus than ever before this week, that you would walk in the power of the cross and you'd walk in the power of the resurrection side by side, hand in hand with the Father who loves you dearly. And I pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, we love you guys. Vineyard Cleveland. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon.